Today's scripture comes from Luke 14, 25 through 35. This is the NIV version. The cost of being a disciple. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, turning to them. He said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and child, brothers and sisters, just even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. It's the word of God. flipped it on then flipped it off as I got up here. Good morning church, let's try that again. <laughs> and hello to those again, welcome to you online as well. As we get started here today in our sermon, I do want to just mention one special announcement that I wanted to make sure everybody heard, uh, and that is that uh, we have upcoming, of course, July 23rd, our VBS that's happening here in the community with some other local churches. I do want to remind you, uh, we do need volunteers, but along with that, you have to be Safe Sanctuary certified. And so we're offering two, uh, remember we had to make up a date uh, for our safe sanctuary, we're offering two uh, upcoming days that you can do that. Both are on this Wednesday and the next Wednesday. So uh, you can put that on your calendars, the 13th and the 20th, 7 p.m. It will be down in the fellowship hall. And so if you still need to get your safe sanctuary certification, uh, those are two times you can do that. Of course, if those don't work, please talk to myself or Angela and we can make sure that we get you taken care of uh, with that here to, uh, very soon before the, fourth, uh, or the 23rd of July, I should say. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we're starting a new sermon series. I was expecting a little more. New sermon series. There we go. Yeah, woo. One of these days you guys are just going to like start doing the wave when I say that or something. It's going to start over here and just go this way and come back or something. But we're excited. Uh, I always love new sermon series. And uh, we are going on a road trip. That's right. Because uh, basically because your pastor wants to go on a road trip, but like everybody else, gas is just too expensive to do that. So we're going to do one in the sermon time uh, while we're here together. And of course, uh, you know, gas prices are up. Uh, you know, it's funny because I, I, as I planned out the sermon series, I was amazed at how many other people are talking about road trips lately, right? And so uh, it's kind of a, a unique, unique, unifying thing that's going on. But we're going to be taking a virtual 
road trip uh, here today. Now, we're going to do this together, and so I want you to put on your thinking caps, and let's say where we're going to go. Now, uh, behind me, you see this picture, or you'll see a picture of uh, some three people. Let's see if we can bring it up here in just a second. I think our PowerPoint may be running slow here today. Yep, Gaspar, yep, yep, yep. And there it is, there we go. This is a picture of, believe it or not, your pastor. I bet you can't guess which one he is. But uh, this was me when I was younger. Of course, I loved Indiana Jones, as you can tell, so I had my hat going on this. This was actually a, not a road trip. This was actually a trip that we took uh, with some of my friends to, uh, over to Europe, and we backpacked through Europe. But I did take a road trip when I graduated high school and uh, with one of the people in this picture. So uh, on the far left, you got my friend Nikki, uh, and in the middle, you got my friend Taylor. Now, you probably remember me telling a story about Taylor, uh, my buddy, how we like, sat and locked ourselves in a hot car in Atlanta summer. Remember that story? Because we were so mad about each other. We were arguing over whether or not jelly beans were good or something like that, yeah, like Starburst or something. But that's my buddy Taylor. And uh, Taylor and I, when we were in graduate high school, we said, okay, you know what, mom and dad, we're piecing out. Before we go to college, we are gonna go take one of your cars and we're going across the United States and back by ourselves, right? And we're gonna just bring our camping gear and just go have a great time. And so our parents who uh, were wise said, yeah, go ahead, have fun. And um, we actually pulled it off, right? They, they thought we weren't gonna do it. They thought, oh, this is just one of these crazy like boy dreams and all that stuff, but we actually did it. And Taylor and I went in an Astro van. You can see it kind of right there, that, that kind of grayish, kind of goldish kind of van. And uh, what was unique about it is it had the license plate number 27. Because my buddy, his mom, worked for the EPA in Georgia. And so for some reason, the government gave her the license plate number EPA 27. So we drove around. No cops would touch us with that license plate. But everybody looked at us really quizzically when they drove past and saw these two just recently graduated high school students driving past in this Astro van. And uh, I can't say that it went very well in the sense that that Astro van I don't know if the smell ever came out. So sorry, Mrs. Clark and Mr. Clark <laughs> for your van, but uh, it finally did. But of course, when you get together to do a road trip, like my buddy and I did, there's something you gotta do first, right? The first thing when you ever go a road trip together is you gotta sit down and decide where you're going, right? And you gotta put together a plan. Now, anybody under the age of 40 does not know what this is, okay? <laughs> this, my friends, is an archaic form of how to go on a road trip. It's called an atlas, right? I know, atlas. And uh, it basically shows you the roads and these things would come in these folded maps. And so you get one of like, for instance, the United States, if you're going to the United States, and it would look like this kind of rectangle thing. And then you'd fold it. And if you're like me, your personality, you thought this was really fun. You're like, ooh, fold it, unfold it. How fast can I unfold it? And you unfold it as fast as you could. And this little tiny thing ended up being like, right? And it had like, you know, kind of like an accordion. You kind of like mesh it and do these different things with it. And you would lay it out. And of course, what we did was we marked all the places we want to go. We sat down and we took turns saying, okay, you know, what do you want to see in the United States? And we have two weeks to do it. That was our limit. So we said, all right, we're going to go, you know, all across the world. And I wanted to go see some places. He wanted to go see some places. So we marked it all down the map, highlighted our route. And of course, immediately got lost as we went and tried to do this together. But nonetheless, this is how you would do it. And so when you drove places, there wasn't like the little voice that told you. So when you saw like the detour sign, you actually had to like get out the map, right? And you actually had to like look at the roads ahead of you and figure out which direction you were going and turn. And of course, no man ever did this correctly. 
And so your wife nagged you, right, until you got down to the gas station and finally were humbled enough to get out of the car and go ask for directions. Amen, right? All right, you guys remember this, right? Anybody under the age of 40 may not remember this, but this is how, how it used to go. So this is what we did, and so you got to mark out your journey on that atlas. Now, of course, you guys also remember the other thing about these atlases. You had to have an engineering degree to put them back together. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was super easy to unfold, and then you thought, like, this is going to be really easy to put back together, and you couldn't. So mine always ended up like the ball or something, like on the corner of the car, because I could never get it going, and I know I increased it many different times uh, there. But when you think about life, it is interesting that you have to do planning on a road trip, right? And if you think about your own life, you may not have realized this, especially uh, those that maybe don't follow Christ, but you're on a road trip in life, right? This is not home, right? As much as we feel it's home, as much as we want it to be home, as much as we invest ourselves in this place, this is just a road trip, right? And we're all heading somewhere, right? There's, all, there's some destination we're going towards, and so the question, of course, is always, what are you doing with the planning of your life? Or in other words, if you see up here on the screen, not only the planning, but what about your own life? And of course, that brings us to kind of two big questions when you think about it that Jesus really kind of harped on many times. The first one was this, is where are you going? When you think about your own life, you're going somewhere. Where are you going? And the second part of that, how are you going to get there, right? And that if you don't make those decisions as far as saying, hey, I want to lose my life to do something with it. I want to aim for this goal. I want to move towards this. The world is going to take you and determine where it wants you to go. And it's going to determine what's important for you if you don't do it yourself. And if you don't figure out how to actually get to where you're trying to go on your own, the world is going to put you in a vehicle and drive you off where it wants to go and wants you to go if you're not careful. But the simple truth is all of us have the ability to plan and think about our life and think about where we are going. Now this brings us to our sermon uh, scripture here today in Luke chapter 14. Now it's interesting when Jesus says these words because he basically points out in a sermon illustration that if you do anything in life, you got to make sure you got a plan, right? And in fact, all of his allusions in this whole entire sermon speech all revolve around that fact, right? And how much people are ridiculed in his day when they don't make a plan or don't count the cost or make sure they start something without the ability to finish it and how people will look at them and ridicule them. But nonetheless, it takes for granted that people have a goal that they're trying to achieve. In our own life, you can think about these different ways and sermon slide, you know, one of the things we have to think about is our goal. And specifically in Jesus, when he's talking about here, no matter who you are, even if you're not a Christian here today, you can apply some of these things I'm about to talk about to your life as well. It's this, is what is your goal in life? What is your goal? And Jesus says, you know, hey, people make goals in this. And then he goes on and he basically says these things, count the cost before you begin. So just like the tower that's being built or the grain storage that's being built, count the cost of it. Otherwise, you don't get to finish and you don't end up where you're going to go. And in Jesus' own words, he says this in the saltiness part. He takes kind of Matthew. We always think of, you know, you're the salt of the earth. And in Luke, Jesus teaches that, but he kind of puts a little spin on it in, in this teaching where he basically says, you know, 
don't lose your saltiness at the very end. He says these words, salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? In other words, count the cost. Be salty all the way through. If you lose your saltiness, you lose the goal that you're going towards. Now, in my life, I once, uh, when I was a younger man, I had some friends, and of course, we were getting our first jobs, you know, out of school and doing all those things. You probably remember those days in your 20s, lighting the world on fire. You think you can actually do things. And so one of my friends got a job in Atlanta with a company called Matrix, and I think it still exists here today. It was one of these kind of tech company kind of things and all that. And, uh, you know, it was one of these things that they always tried to be kind of hip and kind of cool. And so they did a, a, hey, invite your friends to work day, and it was kind of like a life coaching session. And so this man invited us to this life coaching session. I call them the guru. Uh, and so you're going to see a picture of him in just a minute. But this guru at the Matrix was there. And uh, this was him. I kid, that's not him. That's a picture I found on Google of some guru on a mountain. That was not him. He was a middle-aged white dude. And uh, yeah, anyways. Uh, but he was there. And I remember he was talking about his life coach experience. And he was talking to us. And he was saying these things about you know, life and he invited us all in and we were sat in this room and he went through this idea of his life coaching and how he got his life got back on track when he started getting life coaching and figuring out but basically his whole thing was this is hey set a goal for your life hey set your priorities to match that goal in your life and in fact one of the things he had us do is we actually took time we got out notepads and paper and he made us write down the top 10 priorities of our life and actually had to order them so like number one was your most you know, important and 10 was your least important. So we did this and then he wrote next to it and he said, all right, now next to each of these, write down how much time and energy you put in each one and actually rank those in order. And so of course, when you put your priorities one to 10 and then you sidestep that and you say, okay, what do I actually put my time into my energy into? And you go one through 10 and you can, then he of course had us compare them and he said, are any of your priorities out of whack, right? And it was this idea of learning experience when you're young, and it's especially fruitful for me. But what I remember so vividly about that day was the question and answer session. Now, normally question and answer sessions, you're kind of like, oh, okay, yeah, you know. And, but this one was awesome because someone asked the question, right? And here's what I mean by that is, um, hey, <clears throat> my boss, who's life coaching us right here, uh, you had me prioritize, um, and work didn't really make the top five. But you're my boss, right? And my, my time has to put it top five over here. What do I do, right? <laughs> and of course, they said it much more tactfully than that, but that was what it was. It was, hey, you know, what do you do if people, and it's like good things like your work, make you prioritize things over other things with your energy and your time? You know, what do you do? And this was the best question ever because he couldn't answer it, right? In the sense that he's, he's trapped. And so if he says, you know, hey, well, um, you know, uh, make your priorities your priorities. And um, if work's not a priority, then, you know, he's telling basically his workers not to work. If he goes the other way, right, and he says, well, you know, work is actually more important. You really have your priorities wrong. Well, then he's totally unfounding his whole life coaching thing that he's been telling us to self-seek and self-goal and all these different things. So he's really in a pickle, and he had one of the most wise answers I've ever heard in my life. He said this. He thought for a minute, and he said, the only thing I can tell you is it never works out in the long run if your priorities don't match your life. 
It's like a Jesus answer. It was like the guru answer. You're like, whoa, he just totally wiggled out of that because that question had nailed him to the floor. But he did, and he said, you know what? When you think about it, in your long-term life, no matter what, if your priorities of what you truly value are not in line with what you truly spend your time and energy on, you're out of whack, right? And it's not going to work out in the long run, no matter how much you try in those things. Now, of course, uh, this is where we kind of talk with those people who are following Jesus and kind of coming back to that. But Jesus in this scripture is not just kind of leaving it open-ended as far as what is the meaning of life and all these different things. As you see in this next slide, the goal Jesus sets for us, right, is to follow him. The goal equals Jesus, if you will. And in fact, in these scriptures, remember how it all starts with this. Anyone comes to me, if anyone wants to follow me, if anyone wants to be my disciple, you see, the goal for Christians, you know, kind of that top priority list is to follow Jesus, right? To go where he leads us. And for Christians, that's sometimes very clear. Sometimes it's kind of convoluted. Sometimes it's kind of crazy. And sometimes unexpected things happen. But for, if you're going to be a follower of Christ, the very top priority has to be following Christ. Because that's what he's called us to do. But he warns in the scripture, right, by these things. Are you willing to pay the cost? Is it truly a priority in your life? Or are you following me like people build a tower without counting the cost? Or how people do these different things without actually fulfilling all the way through? Make sure you know the cost. Now, for anybody in here who has been thinking about following Jesus for a while, I got just some simple news for you. Two things. Number one, it is costly. Undeniably, if you follow Jesus Christ, it is a costly thing. And I don't just mean money. I don't just mean time. I mean there are so many things that Jesus will lead you to and go through and ways you will sacrifice for other people and ways that you will love other people but not receive that back or the ways that Jesus will call you to do different things. And it is a costly, costly endeavor. But the second thing is also true is that it's worth it. And what I mean by that is when you look at Jesus' teaching, he says like this, he says, hey, it's like someone went out into a field, the kingdom of heaven is like this. Someone went out in the field, found treasure, valuable treasure, and went back and sold everything he had and went out and bought that field because the treasure was worth it. You see, Jesus is calling us. It is costly. He's our priority. We need to follow him. But nonetheless, it's worth it. And the blessing that's in the end far outweighs whatever we give up on the way there. Now, of course, the question for us to kind of really pointedly consider here today is this one. Are you following Jesus? And if not, why? Is Jesus your priority? And if not, why? Something each of us always have to explore each and every day. I wish it was all true that we make that decision once and finally for all our life, but there's so many times where we can confront it with the way we've been living, the way we order our lives, and how our priorities get out of whack so many different times. But Jesus is always faithful and just, invites us back, embraces us once again. 
And so if you've been wandering off, being far, or maybe you've been going the opposite way from Jesus Christ, today is yet another day to turn and be found once again, and to come into his loving arms. He will once again redeem us. Let us pray. God, as we're here today, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you so much for your teaching. And God, as we struggle with it, we know that we wrestle with it, that Lord, sometimes your teaching is hard. Sometimes your teaching challenges us in so many different ways. And sometimes that challenge is something we don't ever quite fulfill. Lord, even once we fail, you still come and find us. Uplift us up. Give us strength to take the next steps. God, as we're here today, we once again just point our lives towards you. And just like a road trip, God, that where we have to kind of chart out our journey, we know, Lord, that we're trusting in you, who's truly the great map. You will follow us on good paths that lead us to the destinations that are truly full of life. God, as we're here today, we take time to come to your table not of our own accord or of our own doing, or anything that we've earned, but because that, Jesus, you have poured out your life for us. 